Good morning, church family. Merry Christmas. Good to see you in the house of God this morning. What a powerful time of worship, and uh, thank you for lifting your voices. I, I do want to say we may need to do an intervention at uh, Pastor Jackson and Miss Jessie's house. If anybody is up for a little uh, overnight uh, Christmas decorating, uh, in our current neighborhood, when we moved in about eight and a half years ago, I remember that very first Christmas, one of our uh, neighbors decided to play a, a prank on us, and we were away for the day, and we showed up uh, late at night, and our entire lawn was covered in inflatables, Christmas inflatables, all lit up. Uh, it looked like Clark Griswold had arrived in our neighborhood and at our house and uh, had all these inflatables, and uh then uh, a few days later, we moved it to another family's house, and it just kind of bumped around to different people's houses. And uh, so we may need to do that one night during the middle of the night. They wake up, and uh, it's all done. So uh, anyway, who knows? Uh, good to see you this morning. Good to have Mr. Billy Williford back with us today, uh, just recovering from uh, his uh, hip surgery. Good to see you. Tomorrow is his 85th birthday. So happy birthday, let's all. Happy birthday, Mr. Billy. <clears throat> Good to see you and glad to see you re uh, recovering. Good to have Miss Beth Austin back with us as well, recovering from her surgery as well. And uh, good to see her. And uh, love seeing all these people. Yesterday, uh, Friday and Saturday, we had 34 volunteers from our church that went to Operation Christmas Child Processing Center. Some of those pictures are going to show up on the screen. And uh, they had an awesome time just serving, being the hands and feet of Jesus and uh, processing uh, little, I think in two days it was 200 and some thousand, probably 300,000 uh, boxes that were packaged and shipped. Uh, I believe that uh, the, one of the pictures that I was going to show up here in a minute, I think it said that most of them went to Colombia, Haiti, and I forget the other country, but you'll see it on the slide in just a minute. And what an awesome thing just to experience what God is doing. And I want to uh, just say a word of gratitude and thanks, uh, Chad and Sarah Joyce. Are you guys right here? If you'll stand up real quick. Um, they are kind of the, the brains and, uh, and the work behind this. And I thank you guys for what you do. Um, and uh, Crystal, I'm not sure if she's in the building. Is Crystal, she's uh, between the three of them. They're always uh, helping coordinate uh, different drives to get uh, supplies, letting the church know where certain things are on good sales. And this year... Uh, 626, is that how many, 626, where's our total, let's give the Lord a hand for that, and uh, most boxes we've ever packed, and uh, we had uh, just, like I said, 34 volunteers that drove to Charlotte and uh, got to be a part of that, if you did not get to participate this year, mark it on your calendar, it's this weekend, pretty much every year we choose the same Friday, Saturday, Mark it on your calendar, ask off on Friday, and uh, uh, let's just, uh, even next year, bring an even larger group and uh, see what God is going to do. And it just is awesome to be around all of those people and to see the, the movement of all of those shoeboxes and what God is doing. And if you went on that trip on Friday and Saturday, some of them I think are even making their way back today, but if you were on that trip, uh, stand up real quick. Let's recognize all of those volunteers who served OCC. Don't be shy. What an awesome... Awesome time to see. I think one of the pictures, there was like nine or ten of our students up there serving. And uh, just what an awesome thing to see. And uh, only in heaven will we know the full impact of what that investment uh, will bring. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can imagine uh, walking around uh, the, the splendor and glory of heaven and meeting someone who as a child received a shoebox that 
Maybe you helped pack. Maybe you helped. And to know that that was maybe the the catalyst that kind of opened their eyes or their family's eyes to the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ loves them and desires to have a relationship. So imagine meeting that child and and that family and, and seeing the, the, the result of what that investment had. Last Sunday was our annual Christmas offering. And uh, it was awesome just to see our church families the way we begin our Christmas season. And you can give all month long. Uh, already about $40,000 has come in in our Christmas offering. Our goal is seventy-five. dollars You have all the way to the end of December 31st. At 1159, uh, you can get that in, you can mail that in, you can do it online, uh, you can do it in the offering boxes uh, out back or out in the lobby. And uh, thank you for your participation. What an awesome, uh, t- I'm telling you, every year God just amazes me at what he's doing and looking forward to seeing us go well over that goal by the end of the month. So make sure you get those year-end gifts in and uh, designate it. Uh, over, I think over $10,000 more came in just tithes and offerings for last Sunday as well. So just awesome to see how God is uh, about close to 50,000 last Sunday total that came in. So it's awesome to see what God is doing. I'm excited you've joined us for the second Sunday of Advent. And uh, Advent's a powerful reminder of what was, what is, and what is to come. The four Sundays of Advent are the, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And this year, I, I love the fact that it ends on Christmas Eve. That's an awesome, just a reminder is Everything is pointing toward the coming Savior. Everything's pointing toward the fact that Jesus is coming. And so it culminates, we celebrate the love of the Savior who would ultimately die on the cross for our sin. There's no greater love story than the story of Jesus. And I hope that you and your family are making plans to be here uh, each Sunday. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at peace. In fact, the sermon title is All is Calm, All is Bright. If you know the the song Silent Night, we'll be singing that uh, Christmas Eve night in our candlelight Christmas service, you do not want to miss. Put it on your calendar. In fact, you have two opportunities on Christmas Eve. That Our 1030 service that morning, uh, we'll have our children's sermon on stage. All the kids will come up on stage that Sunday morning at 1030. If you have family in town, what a great opportunity to be the salt and light and, uh, the, and get them under the sound of the gospel. I promise you, if you'll get them here... We will do our part at loving on them. We'll do our part at sharing the truth of the gospel. And uh, we're praying even now for God to work in their hearts and lives and bring them to a relationship with Jesus. So get them here Sunday morning at 1030 and then our 4 o'clock candlelight Christmas Eve service. And uh, like I said, don't sit at home. Don't sit that one out. Some of you I've already been that morning. It's totally different. Completely different. Uh, and it, there's something about being in a room that's completely filled with fire. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're a kid, like you, this is like your favorite. I've waited all year for the Christmas Eve candlelight service. You get to hold a real candle. A lady asked me last Sunday, she says, Pastor David, she was a first time visitor. She said, I just have one question about Christmas Eve. Are you using real candles? I got this big old grin on my face. I said, of course, is there any other kind? And she said, good, I'm here for Christmas Eve. She says, the church I went to last year had these battery-operated things, and she said, I was embarrassed for them. She said, it was just not Christmas Eve without. So if you come, now if your child is three or four, you probably should not hand them a candle. Uh, we might have a, a fire alarm going off, and uh, it might be a, a, a bad night, but you know what? We're going to have a great time. Last year, uh, the 
Pipes burst in the ceiling on Christmas Eve right before the service. Water was pouring into the kitchen and the bathroom. We still had an awesome time. And Jesus Christ saved souls. So uh, if you've ever wanted to see the devil at work, he's going to fight on a night like that because there's going to be people from all over our community and really around the whole uh, country that will come in to visit family and friends will join us on that night. Be praying. Take that card that's on your chair. Don't put it in your car and leave it there. Don't put it in your Bible and, and, and forget and use it just as a bookmark. Because uh, I, I think I have an Easter card still in my, uh, no, that's the Christmas one. I've got, it's in my Bible, but I'm giving it out this week. So, all right, it's there to tell you about it. But anyway, uh, but take that card and put it in the hand of that coworker. You've been thinking all year I need to invite that new neighbor that moved in around the corner from you. Take it and give it to them and say, hey, I want to invite you to Christmas at Calvary on December 24th. And be a part of that. Come early. Get there early. Uh, get some of that hot chocolate coffee. Get, uh, get your picture made. You and your family all come. Get out there. Get your picture made at the photo booth. And just uh, come in. There's some, some pre-service games that are going to be going on. I think there's some gift cards they're giving away. So it's worth getting there early for. And it's fun. It's festive. It's going to be all those things. All the feels, but most importantly, it's an opportunity to re uh, rejoice and celebrate the birth of our Savior. Get your family there. Get those cards there. But Lord, uh, I want to encourage you, if you have not already done so, go on the app, register your family, any guests that are you bringing. Say, why is that? It helps us in the planning and the process of getting ready for that evening. And we want to see God just do supernatural things. Everyone's invited. Season of Advent reminds us of the past miracles. It also reminds us of the present hope for this future event. We celebrate the coming King. Advent reminds us that hope has come and hope is coming again. Last Sunday, we looked at a thrill of hope in Romans chapter 15. We saw that when all seems lost, that's when God delivers. How does he deliver? Because he's a God of hope. He is the God of all hope, and he gives us hope in situations and circumstances where the world would say, I have no idea how you're going forward. I don't know how you have peace. I don't know how you have joy. You're going through such trials and, and, and hardships. And folks, there's something about a relationship with Jesus. He offers us not only hope, but he offers us true peace. He offers us the peace that surpasses all understanding. And this Christmas season, just as it was in that first Christmas in the town of Bethlehem, people all around the world are searching for peace. People everywhere are looking for peace. They're working for world peace. When you look at the headlines, Russia, Russia is waging war on Ukraine. There's complete turmoil in that part of the world. You look at what's happening in Israel as, as Hamas has rained terror down on the, on the Jewish people. And that entire region of the world is, is in a state of unrest. China's threatening war with Taiwan and terror threats in the U.S. are at an all-time high. If you've studied the Bible, you know that there will not be world peace until Christ returns to a second time and sets up his throne to rule and reign. People are searching for inner peace. They're looking for that calm. There's something is missing in their lives, and they're trying to fill that void in their heart and life. I wonder this morning, how do we find that peace? 
How do we discover the peace that surpasses all understanding? Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to look at an Old Testament prophecy that would talk about what Jesus Christ would come to accomplish, what his plan, what his goal was, what God's plan was for mankind. We're going to begin reading in verse 5, Isaiah chapter 9. Aren't you glad you're inside? <laughs> Pouring rain outside. I'm glad we're inside. Isaiah chapter 9, look at verse 5. and It'll be on the screen if you don't have your copy of the Word of God in your hand. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, tumult, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. One day, all of the battle warriors, all of the, all of the, 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 uh, uh, the our body armor, all the armor for, for war will be destroyed. There will be a day come where there will be no fighting, no more wars, none of those things. And you say, why is that? Because verse 6 tells us, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, verse 6 and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called what, church? Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The Word of God says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? For the person that maybe sitting in this room or, or tuning in online who does not have a personal relationship with you. Up to this point in their life, everything has been searching for that peace with God and how to experience peace in their life, inner peace. And God, I pray this morning that they would understand that apart from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there will be no peace in this life. Lord, would you... Uh, Convict them of their sin and draw them to the Savior this morning. I pray this morning before they leave, they would get the matter of their salvation once and for all settled. And God, leave here with a peace that is unparalleled. One that no one in the, the world can understand that has not received Christ as Lord and Savior. God, for the Christian this morning, may we lean into this relationship with you and, and draw the peace from your Holy Spirit as, as you are there as a comforter as a source of strength, as a source of help in our time of trouble. God, would you give us encouragement? Would you settle our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus this morning? Lord, knowing that you're in control and you have a purpose and a plan for our lives. Would you speak to our hearts this morning? We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Peace is not a place that you just arrived. It's not found in a treaty between two nations. It won't be had by banning guns or outlawing knives, and I'm not getting political. It won't be found at the G8 summit. It's not going to be found in the United Nations or in NATO. You can't legislate peace. Peace only comes through a person, and his name is Jesus. The Bible tells us he is the Prince of Peace. I wonder this morning, how do we discover the peace of God? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and say, my life, it just seems like it's been one chaos after another, one trial after another, one struggle after another. And folks, if we're all honest and, 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 and tr transparent this morning, everybody's either getting ready to go into a trial, you're in the middle of a trial, or you're just coming out of a trial. 
That, that's everybody in the building today, all right? In fact, if we went around and, and, and we were, had a, a, a truth, not a truth or dare, but if you had one of those moments where you, you're telling what's really happening in your world, do you realize that people sometimes, they get up on Sunday morning and you put on the church face and you go to church and how are you doing, Bobby? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm doing great. You fought the whole way to church. You and your wife were fighting all the way. I'm not talking about you. I mean, but, I mean you, you fought all the way to church and you get out and you're like, we'll take this up when we get back in the car. You know? And like, we're just angry and mad. Somebody's, you know, ticked us off that morning. We got up on the wrong. Anybody ever get? No one else. Or just been. Anyway, but you have those moments you get up and I've been on meds for, the, for a while, for the last few weeks being sick. And my wife looked at me one day and she's like, you're just angry. You've got to settle. I mean, you've got to calm down. We can't, I mean, when coming off of sugar was like hangry to a level times a hundred, you know. And uh, so but you have those moments where you go through life and, and you're going through struggles. And But if you start listening to those around you, you'll start to realize, in fact, last Sunday, I was, I, I'll be honest, I was, I was discouraged. Getting a, a diagnosis earlier in the week of diabetes, you're sitting there going, my life as I know it is now over. And then a, a whole bunch of you came out of church and said, Pastor, I've had diabetes for years. You're going to survive. You're going to live. And, and I went back to the doctor for my physical on Thursday, and he says, stop stressing. That's going to make it worse. <laughs> stop stressing. He told me, he says, go to the holiday parties. Eat the piece of cake. It's not going to kill you, but come January, he said, well, you probably should stay off the sweet tea. Yeah, but he said, come January, we're going to buckle down and we're going to get this thing under control. You didn't get it overnight. You're not going to get rid of it overnight. You're not going to get it under control. But he said, enjoy it. But he says, know that God, there's a plan. And ultimately what it does is it reminds us the peace does not come from a, a doctor's diagnosis. Even if he says, hey, tomorrow you're healed of, of diabetes, it doesn't make all. The reality is peace is only through God and that relationship, and it's not based on our circumstances. So how do we discover the peace of God? Hey, folks, the nation of Israel had chosen their own way rather than doing things God's way. They chose to trust in human glory rather than to put their faith in God. And as a result, the nation of Israel plunged into darkness as a study of enjoying the protective canopy of, of God's guidance and protection for the, 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 as he would direct the nation of Israel. If you remember in the daytime, he guided them by a pillar of what? You can say it. Pillar of cloud. And at night it was a pillar of Fire! Okay, some of you just woke up and said, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to Sunday school as a kid. But, you know, the, the pillar of cloud in the daytime and the pillar of fire. But they went through a season of darkness. And, but ultimately, God would not leave them there forever. He promised them that they would see the light again. And they did not deserve it. But God would show them grace. He would show them mercy. He proved that he was far greater than any foe. He assured them they would joy and triumph and victory once again. So just as Gideon had defeated the Midianites in the valley of Jezreel in Judges 7, God would defeat Israel's enemy in that same place. How would he accomplish this? Through the birth of a son, that verse 6 tells us. Through the birth of a savior. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon 
his shoulder. When we're searching for the peace of God, he wants us to experience it more than we could ever know. The birth of a child is spoken of a couple of chapters earlier in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. He says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and do what? Bear a son. And she'll call his name what, church? What does that mean? God with us. God would send his son, Jesus, to earth to bring peace. And the word Emmanuel meaning God with us. If we truly want to experience the peace of God this Christmas, it can be found, well, it can be found for the child of God who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus alone. He came to earth, he died, he took your place. He alone can allow us to experience the peace of God. Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. He says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be what, church? Afraid. He gives us peace. So tomorrow, if you find yourself in the middle of a trial, God gives us peace. He says, peace I leave to you, peace I give to you. He's offering us a relationship with God. His peace is nothing like the world's peace. It's not grounded in stuff that we can see or touch. It's not based on our, our circumstances and it's not dependent upon those. It's founded in the realities of heaven. That's where the peace of God gives us. That's what he gives us if we will seek after him. M.R.D. Hahn told the story of two artists who set out to paint a picture representing perfect peace. The first artist created a scene depicting a carefree schoolboy sitting in a boat on a quiet lake without a ripple to disturb the surface. That was his picture of perfect peace. The second artist painted a raging waterfall spewing out its spray in every direction, but above the waterfall, on a limb overhanging the swirling water, a bird sat quietly on her nest. Both of them were depicting perfect peace. That's real peace, church. That's the kind of peace that God promises to all who follow him. Not the absence of turmoil, but tranquility in the midst of turmoil. You see, what happens is you can be in the deepest of waters, the greatest of raging fires, and experience complete calmness. In fact, I've had people ask me, I don't know how you're going through this. When my mom was so sick in 2020 and, and had back surgery after back surgery and a mastectomy for breast cancer and all of these things that was happening and you couldn't go in the hospital and she's in there and you're trying to teach an 83-year-old woman how to use an iPad uh, and you can't be there in the room to talk to her so we can see her and communicate. I mean, it was unbelievable. And yet God gave a complete sense of calm and peace. I described this week, I said, when my mom passed away that night, God gives you dying grace. Not before you need it, but exactly when you need it. When mom took her final breath in the hospice care center over in Raleigh, not a single tear was shed. Not that that's wrong, it's not. It's, it's normal. 
We had shed plenty of them over the last six years in preparation. But when mom took her final breath here and her next breath in heaven, God gave our family that dying grace. And we had such peace. It was just like she's in the arms of Jesus. There's nothing like it. And I had dreaded that day for years because we think our, our loved ones are going to live forever. I still remember telling my grandmother, Grandma, I'm going to sit in your lap till I'm 100 years old. I said that for years. About 12 years old, she's like, yeah, you about outgrown this lap of mine. But yeah, she, you know what she would tell me? If, if I'm still around, you can sit in my lap till you're 100 years old. We think they're going to live forever. But the reality is, is when that moment came, God gave this overwhelming wave of grace that we experienced complete peace. God gave us the assurance she was in his presence for all of eternity. Folks, that's the peace Paul describes in Philippians 4. He says, do not be anxious about anything. What are the things you're worrying about today? Those things are keeping you from trusting God. He says, don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. What does he say in verse 7? And the peace of God. The peace of God. He does not say that the riches of God in this passage is not what he's saying. He gives us those. Those are available to the child of God. But he says the peace of God. When we're in those moments where life is stressing us out, he says the peace of God, not the money. Some pastors preach it all about financial gain. If you, if you love God, he's going to over, he does exceeding abundant. He does all of those things. But folks, the reality is, he says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Gary, I know when you deal with uh, counseling, there's something about knowing it in your heart, but it's something else to tell your mind, oh, by the way, we're going to trust God with this. We're going to leave it at the foot of the cross and we're going to trust God even when we don't see a way. Even when we don't. So I love the three Hebrew children. It's like God's going to, he's going to provide for us. He's going to take care of us in the fiery furnace. But even if he does it, we're still going to trust in him. So it gives us that confidence that God is sovereign, he's holy, he's, in, he's just, he's in control in all those circumstances. He said, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Sometimes we know something in our heart, but the devil's playing, he's having a heyday on our minds. He's having a workshop of, see, where's God? Where's God when that doctor told you that? Where's God when that that position you were past. What, where's God when that child went astray? Where's God when the, the reality is is he's still on his throne. He's still in control. He still loves us. And as long as you're counting on your health, your good looks, your intellect, your power, your relationships, or your job, you will never experience true peace. Can I get a witness this morning? As long as you're counting on your good, I mean, I didn't get a count on that one. Sorry, I missed the boat on that one. As long as you're counting on your, your physique, you say, well, man, well, you ought to see me. I, I can 
bench more than anybody in the entire well good for you that's great I didn't get that I didn't get those but you know the reality is is if you're counting on your your intellect your your, your degrees your all of those things you're counting on something that ultimately will go up in smoke one day. But what he says is all we need to experience peace with God is to have a personal relationship. And folks, when the circumstances seem out of control, we lean in to that relationship. Lean out on our own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths, as Proverbs says. As long as we're counting on those other things, we'll never experience peace. So how do you discover that kind of peace? It's found in a genuine personal relationship with Jesus. The word tells us he is the prince of peace. He came 2,000 years ago as a tiny baby so that he might grow up to be a man. The son of God, yet the son of man. He would ultimately lay down his life on the cross so that you and I might experience that peace of God. Only when we come to faith in Jesus can we discover the peace of God. So how this morning do we experience peace with God? Jesus came to earth to make it possible to have a right relationship with God. He's the only way we can experience that kind of peace. His suffering enables us to discover peace with God. His wounds make possible the ability to experience peace with God the Father. In Isaiah chapter 53, the word tells us he was pierced for our transgressions. Those nails in his hands and his feet were for us. They were ours. We deserved. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us what, church? Peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. People everywhere are searching for that kind of peace with God. The, the singer Mandisa has a song that talks about this. She says, some people try to listen to the bottom of a bottle. Some people try to listen to a needle in their arm. Some people try to listen to the money in their pocket. Some people try to listen to another's arms. Some people try to find it with blind ambition. Some people try to find it where no one else has gone. Some people try to find it in the crowns of victory. Some people get defeated and lose the strength to carry on. Some people try to find it in the shadow of a steeple. Some people try to find it in the back row pew. Some people try to find it in the arms of Jesus. That's where I found it. How about you? The Course says you and I are not that different. We've got a void and we're just trying to fill it up. With something that will give just a little peace. All we want is a hand to reach to. Open arms that say, I love you. We give anything to hear the voice of a Savior. The voice of a Savior. You see, when you have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus, He speaks to us through His Word, through prayer, through worship, through nature. All of creation cries out that there is a God. And folks, some of the, the sunrises, some of the sunsets that I've seen in my lifetime are the most glorious things. And it's a reminder, God is on his throne. And folks, he gives us a peace that the world can't experience with something, folks, experiencing the voice of a Savior. In the Gospel of Luke, 
We know the Christmas story in Luke 2. It says, the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah. says, the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city uh, of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth (coughs) peace. Among those with whom he's placed. You see what happens is only through that personal relationship with Jesus can you have the peace with God. It's only through that. This morning you can experience that peace with God if you'll listen to the voice of a Savior. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore since we have been justified by faith we have what church? Peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's only every single verse points right back to the same exact thing. It's the peace of God, the peace with God is had through a relationship with Jesus. So imagine this this morning. Jesus died. He came to take our place. He died so that we don't have to. And that free gift of eternal life then offers us peace with God. No amount of money, fame or fortune, power or prestige can purchase peace with God. God purchased that when he sent his son to take our place. So Christ fills that God-sized void in our heart. I can testify firsthand the peace that God gives us through his son. And this morning, if you want to experience that peace with God, you can do that today by praying and calling on the God of heaven. God, would you forgive me of my sin? I, I, I acknowledge my sin before you. And Lord, I, I receive your son Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross, dying for my sin, being buried and rising victoriously from the grave. I receive what you accomplished. You see, there can be no little doubt that chapters 7 through 9 of Isaiah point to the fact that Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, would come, would ultimately bring peace into a world that was in utter chaos. The nation of Israel longed for a day when they would be delivered from utter darkness. He's the only one who could restore their right relationship with God. Jesus Christ is the only way that we can enjoy peace with God. He brings eternal peace by his death on the cross. Verse 7 of our text, You see that part that says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Sometimes you see that and you're like, you see a, uh, what's that mean? What exactly is he talking about there? What is the increase of Christ's government? How is it that it will never end? See, the Hebrew word translated increase gives a sense of ever-growing abundance of multiplication. So Christ's kingdom will be characterized by the never-ending multiplication of its prosperity. He can be, how can that be true in heaven? You think, think about what's happening. In heaven, all of us will be perfect. We have brand new bodies, free from sin, 
free from disease, free from decay. All the things we talked about just a few Sundays ago, we looked at heaven as our forever home. But we're going to have a perfect body, no sin. We won't forget anything that we learn. We will be constantly growing in our knowledge of our estimation of the greatness of Jesus Christ. We'll never stop increasing in our love for him, our desire to worship him. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom is in direct fulfillment of the promise to David. God promised David that a son from his own body would have a throne that God would establish forever. Jesus fulfills that by reigning as the son of David forever. You say, Pastor, what's the application? His kingdom will be a perfect reflection of his own character. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1 tells us in verse 8 and 9, he says, But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness, you've hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Church, his kingdom is like none other. His kingdom is unparalleled. This morning, by faith, we can receive victory through Jesus Christ over sin, over death, over hell, over the grave. He alone makes possible the peace of God and the peace with God. He alone makes us righteous before God. He forgives he cancels our sin debt. In fact, if you've ever paid off something of, of value, maybe it's a, a, a car, and you get that final statement and then they mail you the, the title, there's something that's just exciting about it. Maybe you've paid off your house. Not quite there, a few years off, working on it. We get the title and it's, Paid in full. Imagine this morning, Jesus Christ paid our sin debt. And because of that, we've been made righteous before God the Father. So when we stand before God, we have a, a guarantee. He paid our ransom for our sin. And church, He makes us righteous before God the Father. So instead of getting what we don't deserve, He gave us what we don't deserve. Instead of getting what, me, what we do deserve, He gives us what we don't deserve. And so He gives us mercy. He extends His grace to us and says, I'm going to give you unmerited favor. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. And I'm going to pay for what you do deserve. He took care of that 2,000 years ago on the cross. Mind-blowing. So now when we stand before God, He sees you not as sinner, I cheated, I stole, I lied, I murdered, 
fill in the blank. All of us, if we had to stand up here and tell the worst thing we've ever done, we would hang our head in pure defeat and agony. But God is faithful. He's faithful. His mercy is new every morning. I look across the building and I see people that have gone through unbelievable trials. And in the midst of that, have some of those joy and peace on their countenance. I remember a few years ago, someone in our church saying, said, whenever I see this couple at Calvary, I see some of the most beautiful, joyous people I've ever met in my life. And they, they look like they have the picture-perfect marriage and life. I said, if you only knew. The only knew. Her first husband beat her. God saved her. He radically transformed. He gave her a, a, another chance and she remarried. And it's not been an easy road, but God has been faithful over and over. And so when you see that peace on their countenance, you see that joy in their heart. It's not because they haven't faced troubles and trials. It's because they've gone through so much and they've seen God over and over say, I trust you. I believe you. I, I, I've got you. I'm holding you. And, and he's, he's carrying us through the trials and the tribulations and the struggles of this life. God carries us. And church, that's when we experience the peace of God and the peace with God of knowing what he's done for us what he's done we sing about the, the, the what he's accomplished this week meditate on the awesome titles given in, in this passage wonderful counselor somebody like I need to see a counselor right now talk to the Lord tell him about your problems that was uh, when I was writing that this week, I, I remember this song. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Tell him about your problems. All the struggles. He cares. He cares about the needs of our heart. We can give, go to the Lord in prayer. He's a counselor. He's a mighty God. He's a God like none other. All of the other gods of this world are dead and in the grave. And, and they're, they're, they're void of any power. Church. We serve a mighty God, an awesome God who can heal, who can save, who can transform our lives if we'll trust Him. He's the everlasting Father. Maybe your father's going on to heaven. Maybe you didn't have a father or a father figure in your home. God is our everlasting Father. He loves us. He cares for us. He is the Prince of Peace. He can give 
that sense of calm in the midst of a raging sea. This morning, move forward this Christmas season and experience the peace that God gives us as his children. He gives us peace that the rest of the world does not possess. This morning, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, he came so that you might have peace with God. And this morning, if you will confess your sins to him, you can discover and experience peace with God. Is everything calm and bright in your life this morning? If not, it can be when you discover the peace of God. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning?